Welcome to another episode of Within Us. Today we're talking about something that Akiva Fold calls altruistic selfishness. Now, there is the type of selfishness that we all know so well. It's the selfishness that wants what I want. I want what I want to the exclusion of what you want. But the type of selfishness that Akiva is talking about today is an altruistic type of selfishness. It's doing good in the world because it's the greatest thing I can do simultaneously for myself. I first came upon Akiva Fold's work on Facebook when I saw someone posting on a daily basis, how can I try to help you, within a very large group on Facebook called Secret Jerusalem with tens of thousands of members. His posts, how can I try to help you, have gotten responses from people all over the world with projects all over the board. And he has now turned his posts into an organization, a Facebook group of his own, and his movement, How Can I Try to Help You, is spreading like wildfire, the kind of wildfire that lights up this world with kindness, with happiness, and with what he calls altruistic selfishness. Welcome to Within Us, and welcome to this episode with How Can I Try to Help You, Akeep Fault. The name of the group and what I do is called How Can I Try to Help You Today. I find that word to be very, very important because the only thing that I can do in this world is try. Uh, we have so many places in Judaism and other places where we know, you know, uh, what is it, uh, the the uh, plans of mice and men often go astray, or in Yiddish it's mantracht und gutlach. We can't always accomplish what it is we set out to do, but I can set out to do it, and it is my responsibility to set out to do it. So it's very important to me that people always remember that it is, how can I try to help you today? I make no promises. How can I try to help you? So that's a really important distinction to make, and I'm happy you mentioned it, Akiva. So this show, I am Jewish. I'm a proud Jewish woman, and we talk a lot about different Jewish ideas from the Torah. I like to do it in a way that listeners of all backgrounds can tap in and understand these ideas and apply them in their lives, because I believe deeply that they're relevant for all of humanity. So if we, we can back up just for a moment. You mentioned something when you were talking about the name of your group, How Can I Try to Help You? And you, you shared a Yiddish phrase with us. The phrase, as I understand the translation, is make plans and God laughs. And man, man plans. Man pl okay, so t tell us in English. <laughs> man plans and God laughs. It's the same exact well, thing as, uh, it's the, same exact thing as uh, the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray, meaning... We can plan whatever we want in this world. And I mean, again, the concept of often go astray is, has nothing to do with, uh, you know, a, a Hashem or a godly being or whatever it is. But mantrach and gutlacht is, it's not always, it, you know, we can plan as maybe as best as we can, but it doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean uh, that, that it's going to come out the way we intend it. But again, also keep in mind that in, in Ethics of Our Fathers, it does make it very clear that my job in this world is not to, but that doesn't mean that I have the right to shirk my responsibility of trying to do. You said just, just a moment ago, for some reason, the word cut out. You said your job is not to. 
My job is not to be focused on completing the job. I may never have the opportunity to complete the job, but that doesn't allow me the opportunity to shirk my responsibility from trying to do the job. Wow. Okay. So Akiva, let's back up for a minute and share with our listeners a little bit about what you're doing right now and how you became inspired to do this work. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> it, it really is a tough one. I got to be honest with you. It's like, um, uh, I, I, I have about a billion different reasons in my head and I'm not even sure any of them are actually the right reason. Okay, well, that's, 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 that's fair. That's good. It's valuable information. Can we start by explaining to the listeners, like, what is it that you're doing? Um, basically, uh, basically, about six months ago, um, I put into Facebook, my Facebook, just one day randomly, uh, what, can I try to, what can I do for you today? And that for, on my page, not, on, not anywhere else, just on my page. And that day, I got a lot of uh snide responses um people you know playing games and asking weird things and so on and the next day i wrote okay you guys didn't take me seriously so i'm going to ask again and then i started getting a trickle of different people asking questions and then as time went on one of my friends said when are you going to stop doing this and i said i don't know whenever i decide to stop or there's nobody else to help i have no idea I, like i had no pl i had no plans i had no idea what i was doing I had no idea why I was doing it. It just happened. And then for, then, I don't know, about two, three months later, it started slowing down a little bit. So instead of posting once a day, I posted it three times a day. And then it started slowing down again. And then I realized that, you know, places like Secret Jerusalem or um, at that time, Kipolim in Israel uh, were good places. They had a, you know, a built-in audience. So I started offering it there as well. And within a day, it went from, you know, between five and seven uh, requests a day to somewhere between 70 plus requests a day. Um, and what had happened was the first day I answered as much as I could. The second day, for some reason from the time that I wrote it until the time I was able to get back to it, um, other people who are my, you know, Facebook friends started answering issues themselves. And then they came back to me and said, um, and said, uh, can you make a group out of this so we can all do it? And at first I was reluctant because realistically, this is for me. I don't really care about anybody else doing it. I'm not doing it for <laughs> anybody else. I'm doing it for me to do. And, um, but I did it. And within about two months, we're right now on the cusp of 3000 members. Uh, again, to me, the numbers of people are less important than our response rate. I would say we are currently at an 8 to 8.5 response rate on average, meaning for any, any post that there is, there are at least 8 to 8.5 responses for good, for bad, some things that need to be deleted, so on and so forth. But the concept is, is that people are really getting involved, people are responding, and people are trying to help. So to me, that's fantastic. Um, and what I said before, just to explain, and then I'll, you know, move on. Um, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine came over to me and said, I want to congratulate you. I said, for what? He said, you accomplished what I've been trying for 15 years to accomplish. And I said, what is that? And he said, getting people to go do good deeds. 
I said, but that's not what I'm doing. He, I said, I'm doing this for myself to go, do good deeds. And I think what part of it is, is that when we build a, a project like this and we try to convince other people to do things, you see that many, many times, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but to really push, it doesn't really work. And that's what I really believe. Um, and I've always believed this. That's the definition of being a light into the nations. Uh, I always ask people, what does a light do? And everybody comes up with all kinds of answers. And the bottom line is a light doesn't do anything. A light is. By its being, it pushes away the dark. It doesn't do anything. A light is an inanimate object. It can't do anything. But by being a light, we now have light in the world. Same as with a light into the nations. Nobody, I, I'm, I'm a very, I'm very anti, and, I, and you know, people disagree with me, but I'm very anti going out to Haiti, going out to Japan, going out to the most recent crisis and trying to fix everybody, because that's, not that's doing that's not being that's not what we're told to do that's not we're that's going out into the world and saying look at me look at me and that's actually the opposite in many ways of what judaism stands for um so for me it's just be and for me by being what you know being a proper jew helping other people now other people have also decided to be and so that's I really wasn't trying for anything. I really am still not trying for anything. Um, and if it all fell down around me, I would still do it the same way every single day. So. All right. You've given me a lot to, th a lot to think about our listeners, a lot to think about. And I want to recap for a moment, your story. So essentially you started asking on your own personal Facebook page, how can I help you to your friends? You started getting about seven answers a day. Then you moved on. You started posting in some of the bigger Facebook groups. How can I try to help you today? Getting more responses to the point that other people asked you if they could join your efforts in helping. And then this became a group called How Can I Try to Help You Today? Now, one thing I want to point out to you, Akiva, that I'm noticing is that you know, as much as you're saying you're doing this for yourself, you weren't going to do this for anyone else. By opening up the group and allowing other people to help, you're helping them as well. So exactly. I think that's really, I think that's really beautiful. It's like a light, you know, as you're describing this light, when a light kindles another wick, it doesn't lose anything. And I think that's one of the most beautiful qualities about light and about kindness is that it spreads. And when we walk out the door in the morning and we smile, or you help one of the people in your group the effects of that are, are like dropping a, a dropping water on a pond. We, we don't see, it's impossible to see the ripple effects of just one act in the world. So no. what you're doing is, is, uh, is, is really spreading light. And, and just to focus for a moment on this, this concept of light into the nations within Judaism, I have learned about this idea of being a light unto the nations and I think that this means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I myself feel one way about it, although I'm not going to go there right now. I want to hear from you. What does that phrase mean to you? As I said, it means being. First of all, first of all, again, I have a very, very deep concept on this. The bottom line is um, the, the Talmud says in uh, the tractate of Sukkah that, uh, you know, when after the messiah comes um the the nations of the world are going to come to hashem and say 
you see all that infrastructure we build, the buildings, the, the sewage, everything that we built, we built that for the Jews. And Hashem says, nice try. You built that for yourself, but now it's for the Jews. And so they say, but we, but we, want, we want mitzvot too. We want command, positive commandments as well. And the fact is, we know from, I think, the Midrash that, um, that Hashem gave the world, the entire world, two opportunities to accept um, his word on two different occasions. And both times they turned it down. And because of the twice turning down, there is no possibility for any nation as a whole to accept Hashem and his words other than individuals. Individuals can. But at this point, after the Tower of Babel, which I believe we are recreating today, that's a whole different conversation, um, and uh, the day before, or the time before uh, we got the Torah, when he went to the other nations and offered it to them, those were both times where Hashem offered it to a nation, and they didn't want it. So at the end, at the end of the days, they come and they say, we want a mitzvah. And... And Hashem says, okay, I'll give you a mitzvah. He gives them the mitzvah of sukkah, of building a hut and going into it and so on. And we know that there's a concept of, of Hashem put a sheath, a covering over the sun because currently we can't deal with that heat. We can't deal with that light. So they're in the sukkah and he takes off that sheath. And, and they leave. They leave the sukkah and they kick it and they leave. And so Tosfod, one of the commentaries on the Talmud says, but we're supposed to leave if it's painful to be in there. And the answer is, is that we actually are more in pain having to leave than what is causing us to leave. Meaning it is a pain for us not to be able to do the will of Hashem. The fact that they're kicking it is, you know, symbolic of a different way of looking at it. The reason I bring that up is because I believe very strongly that the sheath that is covering the sun is, is sort of allegorically, because the sun realistically um, is that light that gives, that gives off light into the world. Um, we are the reflection of Hashem's light. So when, everyone, when all Jews are being proper Jews, then that light of of us is going to be so intense and so bright and so hot that anybody who doesn't fall onto that, meaning even, even the, even I think the Talmud says further that, uh, you know, the light is going to be of such that the wicked will not be able to stand up to it. And I truly believe that what that means is more along the lines of our behavior, the ability to, to, to do what is right. And again, hold another subject for another time. What the, in my mind, the, the next world looks like. Um, but by doing that, uh, the other nations uh, can't, I mean, vi villains, whoever they are, other nations, other peoples, whatever it is, can't stand up to that light because it's so glaringly true. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, a, so light to me is be, be a light. And by being a light, and, and that's a reason, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that we should go out and do. I don't believe we should. I believe a light, as you said, is stationary. The only, I mean, you sort of disagree, but the reality is, is light doesn't move. If you take a candle and dip it to another candle, it's the human power. It's you that's moving, that's adding light to something else. 
the light itself is not moving, meaning, meaning the, the source of light isn't moving. Um, what it does is it is. And by being is, it gives off light. So in, in my understanding and the way I try to live my life is that by being a Jew, a proper Jew, um, we, are, uh, we are essentially giving a light into the nation. Another, you know, another thing that to me prompts that up again, another mistake of understanding uh, in Judaism, we say, every Jew is responsible for every other Jew. And everybody translates that as mitzvot and, and commandments and so on, meaning I have to make sure that nobody else is doing wrong and everybody's doing right. So we go into, you know, bringing people back to the fold. And I disagree. Somebody opened up my eyes years ago that everybody in this world is a co-signer. It has nothing to do with the next world. It has to do with this world. I am responsible to make sure that you have a you have clothing on your back, you have a roof over your head, and you have food on your table. And my belief goes even further because psychologically, if I come after you and I want you to change your behavior, you're not only going to despise me, you're going to despise everything I stand for. But if I don't try to behave, change your behavior, but I go out and I try to do for your physical needs, then the way you're going to look at me and the way you're going to look at what I stand for is going to be very, very different. And the likelihood is when I try to change your behavior, there is a high likelihood that you're going to throw everything off. When I change your physical situation, there's a higher likelihood that not only will you accept it, but it may change your view on many, many things. So, so yeah. So my, you know, my belief is is that it's 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 the being. It's not the doing. It's interesting you mentioned that to be able to differentiate between being and doing. I I think is is a really deep. It's a really deep concept. I, I was thinking just the other day about children and how when children want to play, they want to go out and they want to build a fort. They build the fort so they can play in it. They don't build the fort so that people walking by will say, oh, wow, what a cool fort. Look at the way it's built. And those fort builders are really skilled and they're really talented. And there's no ego in, 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 in playing and building that, that, that fort for the, that the children are making. It's, it's all for its utility. And... I hear what you're saying about going out into the world in order to do, I mean, in my own opinion, I don't think kindness is a PR opportunity. And I think the second it becomes a PR opportunity and Hey, look at us and look at how great we are and look at what we're doing. I think it diminishes the light. And I think that if anyone wants to be light, I think everyone can be a light. And you know, one thing I personally struggle with is the, the ethnocentricity of how some of these concepts sound, right? So I have a, I come from a, a diverse family. I have Buddhist relatives and Christian relatives and relatives that identify as agnostic and other things. And I find so much beauty and so much depth and so much spirit and truth in all types of people. And one thing that I believe is that we, as all of humanity are so deeply connected and we live in different places, you know, tribes, if you will. And the way that we communicate with one another is not always clear, 
right? What one word means to me is could be possibly something else to you. Which is why, so, sorry to interrupt. Which is why <laughs> yeah, I please, believe, go ahead. Which is why I believe we're living in what I call now, our period of time is the Tower of Babel 2. That's I, I'm actually, so with, I'm so with you. I, I believe I'm, I believe that the world is trying to fight Hashem like it did back then, and what Hashem did was He made us confused in our speech. Meaning we don't need to talk different actual languages within the English language. Just the fact that uh, just the fact that I can I can define the word. Um, hold on one second. It sounds like my dog is barking at somebody. Uh, I'm going to mute this for one second so that I can stop him and see what it is. All right. So while Akiva's dog is barking, I'm going to share with you that the word Hashem, I've said this in other episodes, means that name. And it's essentially a word in Hebrew which attempts to name the nameless. (laughs) And by saying nameless, it's that we've been created by such an infinite boundless force that by assigning a name to it or a pronoun or any word, any descriptor, we're really placing a limit upon it. So by calling it the name, we're taking away that limitation. And again, you know, words mean different things to different people, but I believe that we can all agree that we have been created by whatever you want to call it, something incredible beyond our comprehension so i'm i'm back but what all i was saying was that even within english today you know you for instance have uh the word literal is now translated in the is defined now in the oxford english dictionary as both literal or figurative which goes against the actual accepted definition now i do understand that mankind does define words but the fact is is that if i say the word literal there was a social contract that said we both understand what that word means. Now that contract has been broken. I can say it one way and you can understand it completely differently. Things and all things like that. Any, most of the isms, you know, I think, you know, you'll talk to old school feminists and they will say that the feminism today, they, they don't subscribe to. And, and again, it's not a matter of feminism, but the fact is, is that as at this moment in time, we are translating, we are defining words very, very differently, that the social contract has been destroyed, that I can say one thing and you can completely understand something else. Many times if I get into a, a theological or a philosophical conversation with somebody, I say, let us define our terms first. Let us see, these are the words that we're going to be using. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? Because realistically, I believe that we're, we're in a place right now where, where unless you do that, we could be talking at each other for the next 25 years and not have ever communicated. It's, it's interesting to hear that. I, I learned recently that about 70% of our communication is nonverbal. And, you know, it says in various places throughout the Torah and in the Psalms, it says that silence is a fence for wisdom and silence can make a fool wise. And in my own experience, my recent discovery of silent meditation and silent prayer and silence in general with people even (laughs) has so much more power than, uh, than words. Let's, let's let's go back for a minute. Okay. And I'm curious in terms of 
who you, where you are in life and a little bit more about your story by way of how did you get inspired to go out and ask people if you can try to help them and, and how do you have all this time and a little bit more about like who you are and, and how this was born. Okay. Um, there's the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, I, I could definitely come from a family of, uh, um, positive people who, who try to help other people. It's always been part of my family, always been a part of, you know, just what we are. I, I grew up with, you know, guests at the Shabbos table all the time. And, uh, and my father was very well known for, for trying to do things for other people. Um, uh, you know, my, my brother even says recently that uh, we were, t- my father passed away 25 years ago, yesterday was the anniversary of his death. So we, me and my brothers got together and we were talking about it. And one of my brothers said that one of the main stories that he hears a lot about my father, my father was a scribe. He wrote, you know, the, the, uh, the holy, whether it was the Sefer Torah or the Tefillin or the Mizuzot, these were the things that he dealt with. And supposedly, according to my brother, and I don't remember hearing this, but a lot of people seem to say to him that my father checked their Tefillin and you have to check it every so often to make sure that things are right in it. And he would say that they are not acceptable anymore. And he would offer the people a replacement for free. And I'm like, this was his business. I don't understand what you're talking about. And he said that he didn't ever want anybody to suspect him that he was saying it's not kosher so that he could sell them another pair of fill So he offered it for free. Some people would actually take him up on it. But most people would say, of course not. Like, you're doing the job that you need to do. If it's not kosher, I'm trusting you to do that. I need to replace it. I need to replace it. So, you know, that was his mentality. His, his mind was always thinking about other people. My, for instance, another, I'll just go into this one more. My father never read the newspaper. Um, but he was friends with a lot of rest, rent, restaurant tours. When he would go to a restaurant, he would not only eat and so on, but he would sit with the owner and have conversations and spend whatever time the other person wanted. And I remember one of the restaurants complained to my father that the refrigerator was on the fritz and needed a new refrigerator. From that day for the next month, he bought the newspaper every single day, just looking for a replacement fridge. So, you know, and my mother, again, my mother was the one who mainly invited people to the, to the table for Shabbos. But I, I, I feel that that's a very major component in, in who I am and, what my, and my upbringing. Um, by trade, I'm a salesman and a marketer, and I built telemarketing companies and so on and so forth. And at the same time, uh, I'm good at it, and I hate it. It's, I just find it, I don't know, I have issues with it. So <laughs> a number of years ago, about three years ago, um, I got burned out by a specific client and it burned me so much that it put me in a terrible, terrible, terrible funk for a period of time. And at some point during that, as I was coming out of it, I turned to my wife and I said, you know what I want to do? There's that space between the central bus station and the light rail where a lot of people put down, you know, a, a booth or you have buskers playing music and so on. I want to put down a table with three chairs and I want to have signs on the side that says, uh, I'm listening. 
and in Hebrew, Ani Makshiv. And wow. just sit there for three, four hours, you know, two, three times a week and just listen. Like uh, in peanuts, the, you know, the doctor is in. I didn't want, I, some people, if they ask me for responses, I respond. But many people just need to be heard. I think there are a lot of people in this world who just have no one to hear them. And even, even sometimes many of them are not alone, but still don't have anybody to hear them. So basically my wife tried to forbid me from it simply because she felt it was a waste of my time and my talents. Um, so I put it to the side. I actually bought the three chairs, but never did it. Um, and I put it to the side for a period of time. And I think in many ways, that's what pushed me to just type in that day. Um, you know, what can I try to help you with today? And I'm finding that a lot of it is just listening. So that's a separate issue. But uh, Wow, Akiva, it's, it's so brilliant. You know, recently when I was writing my book, Beyond All Things, I was researching a lot on happiness. And I came back to the idea of listening time and time again in psychology and happiness studies and communication science. And the power of being heard is one of the greatest pleasures that a person can experience. So I, I can't tell you how brilliant I think which this is idea why is. Also, like, which is why also one of the rules in sales is the two sweetest words to anybody's ear are their first and last names. But putting that to the side for a moment. So... So what had happened was I, during that funk, I was in a funk when my wife and I decided that she was going to go back to work and I was going to be the house husband, which I still am. Um, and I had a project, a personal project that I was working on. And over the time that has blossomed. Um, and uh, also a lot to do with communication. Uh, if you want for an, I don't know that you want to go into this now, but for, it could be for another uh, conversation, but I have a project that I'm building a better way for people to communicate by understanding who their audience is and making sure they're talking to them as opposed to at them. So, okay, so Akiva, I would love to do a follow-up episode a little further down the line. I, I remember that, you know, the first time you and I spoke was when I posted in how can I help you, how can I try to help you? And I asked about marketing questions for the book and you responded and we had a talk and you told me about this system and that you're, you base the system on the four types the four of, sons uh, of the, of okay, the I, I didn't want to give away too much. And then no, that's why, no, you can give away anything. I just, okay. I don't want to, I can give away every, you can give away everything okay. you want. It I reminded just don't want to. Me of, do you remember I put you in touch with pastor Maurice? Yes. Okay. So I definitely want to do a follow-up episode on, on that. We have a few more minutes left of this though until about uh, 12 and I'd love to hear the rest of your story about, you know, what inspired you and how, how can I try to help you? And then we can get into the system and a follow-up episode. Uh, how did I, how did, uh, hey, as I said, there were many, 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 many reasons. Um, your parents, reasons, you're uh, right. So one of the, one of the, one of the real reasons is I hate mankind and that actually plays a lot into it. Um, I am an optimist when it comes to Hashem and I am a pessimist when it comes to mankind. We have at least 5,000 years of uh, proof that mankind does whatever is in its ability to destroy itself. And I have optimism in Hashem that Hashem will never allow it to happen. So I know that sounds like a hard one, but it's, it's just the way I look at life. The problem is, is then I realized a couple of months ago, a couple of years ago, that there is no separation between us and Hashem. We are Hashem, which is also another discussion for another time. And as <laughs> such, if mankind is Hashem, then 
the same optimism that I give for Hashem is the same optimism I need to afford to mankind. I love that. And since I need to flip the script, um, I need to figure out how to fall in love with mankind. And I'm a very strong believer that it's not love that comes first and then I want to give. I believe we grow in love by giving. So part of this was let me give, let me connect to people, and hopefully through that I will learn to love. I definitely think it's had a lot of impact. I'm seeing a lot of things in people that I hadn't you know, seen or noticed before. Um, and by giving, I really start feeling connections in ways that I, I never have before. So as, as much as that sounds like a, a terrible way to start, um, it was really done for a, for, for a positive reason. But the reality is I've looked at history and, and any, op, you know, any opportunity mankind has to, uh, to stick a wrench in the works, we do so. So that was another reason that I did it. I have a few more, but, uh, you know, it, it really is a lot of things going on in my head that, and again, I, I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about um, all, that, that Judaism is based on altruistic selfishness. And a lot of people question me and they have no idea what I'm talking about and they're really upset about it and so on and so forth. And I believe that, as I said to you before, I'm doing this group for selfish reasons. I'm doing it for myself. And by doing it for myself, I'm actually being altruistic. And you made a comment before. Yeah. Very simply, yeah. Go ahead. You also made a comment before about the concept of, um, you know, people want to do, but, you know, sometimes it becomes very selfish and so on. From the get-go, I did this for myself. And as you mentioned before, when I did open the group, I saw it as helping them because as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if they do it or not, but they want to do it. So by opening the group, yes, that was me helping other people as well. Um, and people accuse me of trying, you know, wanting my name to go out there and so on. And I'm sure there's a part of me that is that because I'm human. That's the reality. But the reality is, is I've reached out to multiple groups on Facebook. I had one group who wrote to me saying, um, some of your posts might be interesting to some of our readers. Can we post them? I said, sure, but let's take one step further. Let's go out for a coffee and see how we can work together. I've never heard from them again. I have other groups who have stopped me from posting on their things because I might take away their people. I believe I am very much, I don't want an umbrella. I don't want to be in charge. I don't want anything. If people want to join forces, last night, Last night we were talking with a, a, a non-for-profit uh, clothing exchange and we've had some of our people who needed clothing desperately and we had them agree to give them a free, uh, uh, what is it, uh, shopping spree. And then a couple of nights ago something went wrong with them, there was a misunderstanding. And uh, so last night I sat down, we sat down with uh, the people who run that um, clothing and we came to certain ideas as to how it's going to work to everybody's benefit and make sure things work properly but then i pointed out you know people come to me with housewares and households that they need to get rid of and i had a place that i was supposed to be storing this stuff and that place sort of fell out and the women who i was talking to was like oh my gosh that is incredible we we have people who need this kind of stuff and we have a storage facility nearby that is standing empty right now that would be perfect Wow. And just by sitting there talking to them about clothing, we are now looking to do 
again, I have a, I have a bunch of pictures. I'm talking about beds and, and, and night tables and closets and refrigerators and ovens and all of these kind of things that I know people are looking for. And we are going to have a storage unit nearby. I can bring it to you, whatever it is. And it just came out of they're doing it for people and I'm doing it for people. Neither of us are doing this for ourselves. And Incredible. when I connect with people like that, you can tell very, very quickly who is doing it for those reasons by their desire to just share resources and move forward in order to help as many people as possible. There's no names here. I even my 100%. Wife, my wife and 100%. I didn't like, my wife and I didn't like the fact that my face was the face of this. And when I when I was asked to do my first interview, I called a friend of mine who's also a behind the scenes kind of guy doing very very big things. A lot of people don't know who he is. They know the things that he does. And I asked him, "What do I do about interviews? I don't want to do interviews." And he said, um, "You know, people buy into the message, but in order for them to really buy into the message, they need to buy into the messenger." And I found that through the interviews that I've done, my picture is out there a lot. And people are coming to me in the street because of my picture is out there a lot. And my wife and I agreed. I took, you know, I'm known for people know, who know me, know me in terms of dress for weird hats, uh, the colorful ties now that say on it, how can I try to help you today? And pocket squares. Those are the things that I like to wear. So I set up on my couch a nice picture of a hat, a tie, and a pocket square. I took a picture of that. And I sent it to the newspaper for that, for them to use that instead of me. In the end, they took a picture from a different interview I used and put that on the front page, but then used the image that I created on an inside page. And so the point was that I'm looking to take that image and make that the image of the group because, you know, I mean, how many people, not everybody, I'm sure there are plenty of people who do know, but who knows, who knows the inventors of Google? Who knows the inventors of Amazon? But you see Amazon or you see Google or you see eBay and right. universally you know what you're looking at. Right, 100%. So I, I, I definitely think that the concept of uh, this selfless, what did you call it? Selfless. Uh, altruistic selfishness. Altruistic selfishness. I, 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 the way I think about it, I think there's like a me and there's an I, and the I is Hashem, and the me is just confused. So I want to get into that more with you. I want to do. I will do a plug for if you're on Facebook and you want to be inspired every single day, just go to join the group. How can I try to help you today? I have people who have literally joined Facebook just so they can look at this page every single day, and every single day they look at it, even if they haven't gotten involved or whatever, it just brings them to a different place by looking at it. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I highly recommend it. I see your posts nearly on a daily basis. And, and even if I don't chime in or even if I don't comment, like you said, it just inspires me to have a, a helping mindset. So Akiva, thank you so much for joining with us. And this is, this is an episode to be continued. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about me and what I do, you can visit my website. It's azrielajankovic.com, A-Z-R-I-E-L-A-J-A-N-K-O-V-I-C.com, or you can click the link in the show notes. I recently authored a book called Beyond All Things, Insights to Awaken, Joy, Purpose, and Spiritual Connection. You can find that book on Amazon. You can learn more about my speaking, meditation facilitation, and everything else that I'm up to on my website. You can also leave me a message 
here if you visit anchor.fm backslash drazriela d-r-a-z-r-i-e-l-a you can leave a voice message and ask me to include it in the next show and i very well may thanks so much for being here and remember it's all within us the inspiration the light the peace the hope and a spark of the infinite